Thank you, worship team. How many of you are blessed by the presence of God this morning? This morning is all about Jesus, amen. It's not us, it's not the ministers, it's never about us, but the Lord says, not by might, not by your strength, but by the Spirit of God, amen. That's the reason we're here. We want to meet Jesus, we want to hear from Jesus. And how many of you are ready to open up your hearts to hear from Him directly? Amen. Let's close our, um, bow our heads. Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. God, I dedicate, um, we dedicate the, la the next 30 minutes in your presence, Lord. Whatever we're experiencing outside this church building, it's irrelevant because tonight, today, is all about you. We want to sit under your feet to hear straight from you and feed straight from your heart. God, I speak against all other noises and distractions and voices that has been so loud in our, our, our head, that's been tormenting us, that's been speaking so loud, all the lies from the enemy that has been feeding your minds right now. God, I want to silence it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We bind it, we break it in the, in the name of Jesus. Only one voice tonight, today, that is the voice of Jesus in this place. In your mighty name, Lord, we pray and we give thanks. Amen. Amen. So uh, there's no announcement today. Uh, I just want to share to you what's been happening in the past uh, few weeks here in our church. How many of you know that our, our church is called the House of Prayer? Amen. If you are new in this place, if you're old visitors, new visitors, welcome home. We hope that you find um, Jesus presence and find purpose in this place. Amen. So in the past few weeks, uh, we've been going through all campuses all across the city. Um, UW Seattle, Shoreline Seattle. Can I hear some noise for those of you who join us? Thank you so much for praying with us because this is it. We cannot win spiritual battle without spiritual things. Amen. We cannot win souls without prayer. And this is our weapon. This is how we fight our battle. Shoreline Prayer Walk and UW Prayer Walk happened in the past two weeks. And this week, how many of you are from Edmonds College? Can I hear your, your voice? Um, Edmonds College, we are going to be in the campus this Friday to pray and to contend and to intercede for the people that are going to that college. Amen. So I'll see you um, at 6 p.m. this Friday for our last stop of this month, which is Edmonds College. I hope to see you, amen. So um, this month's topic is free from chain. Uh, and I, has, I have been given um, a verse to share with you from the book of Philippians. Um, and I, just like Pastor Kismet last week, I will let the word of God speak to you because it's God's become flesh. Amen. It's not my opinion, not my words, but His word alone. So we're going to read a lot of verses today, and I hope that can encourage you. But before that, <laughs> this morning, Kenny was saying here, he was, he was sharing here, he said, we don't want old, old bread or old testimony. We want new testimonies. Amen. So I have a few testimony to share with you this morning that God has been so real and so good in our lives. And through pain, through suffering, He is still real. Amen. And the last miracle that the Lord has been opening in my family is that we just have a dog. We just had a puppy. Finally, after four years, maybe five years of praying and praying and praying and my kids were praying and, and I don't know how. I think it's just the kids are getting older and we need an, a common goal, common enemy to bring the family closer together. <laughs> That's why my husband said yes. So God is real, amen? God is real. So uh, at first, Martin is the only one, like the shoreliners know. Every Friday, I said, guys, he still said no. <laughs> and then they're like, it's okay, chi. keep praying, keep hoping, because they all have dogs. And then one, one day when I said yes to him, uh, when I asked him, he said, well, I see your point. I see your point. And I think he's the real hero here because um, at first he's like, no dog, no puppies, he's not going in my car, he's not going in my office, he's not going near my guitar, but this is what happened, guys. <laughs> if you don't mind, I want to show you. He is the closest to my dog right now, look at him. <laughs> he's the one that he would wait for him when he goes home from the office. He would wait for him when he washed the dishes. And this is him going crazy from his own reflection. <laughs> he was just like, 
dumpling, calm like, down. Un- it's, unhinged. It's just, it's just you. It's okay. And then, <laughs> and then he goes. That's our fourth bo- fourth baby. So t- if today I'm a little bit haze or foggy, forgive me. We're lack of sleep from training the dog. Amen. So God is good. God is real. He's the God of miracle. He's the God that opens doors for you when you ask for Him. Amen. Ask for ask ask, and it will be given to you. So so going into my sermon right away. How many of you know that right now? Next next slide. We are in the age of information overload. Even right now, as I'm speaking, your minds are probably all over the place, thinking about your dogs, thinking about your puppies, thinking about what food to eat. And there are about 350,995 billboards throughout the United States. That's the the, the most of all, all over the world. And right now, the advertising is a very big business because right now, what, what they're trying to grab is our attention. Our attention. Advertisers spend millions each year studying the science of attention. Because what's their goal? Their goal is to get our 6.5 seconds to pay attention to their products. And we see thousands of ads daily, but we remember only a few. And there are only a lot of things trying to grab our atten- attention. And seeing how targeted the ads are nowadays, how many of you relate? We were just talking about you know, weight loss, and suddenly all of the ads come up in your feed, and suddenly you're buying things that you're not supposed to buy, and you're signing up on apps, and suddenly I'm like, why am I on Weight Watchers? (laughs) Suddenly, because the ads were so targeted to you, trying to grab your attention. And other than that, next slide, the average American on social media platform receive about 54,000 words and 443 minutes of video every day. More than 1 billion tweets are sent every hour, about 100,000 tweets per minute. And as I finish this sentence, there's 20 million emails are being sent. Maybe not today because today is Sunday, but probably if I, I speak on Monday. 16 minutes of every hour is spent on social networking sites. So we are living in such a noisy, noisy world. And how can God's voice compete with all this? if we don't intentionally silence that, right? And go deeper into his presence every day. Next slide. We are such in a distracted society right now because numbers don't lie. 64% of car accidents right now are caused by distracted driving. And the typical internet user's online screen focus lasts about 40 seconds. And how many of you are working from home nowadays? Can I still see your hands? I just want to... How many of you go back to the office? Okay, a lot, of, a lot of going back to the office people. I don't know whether which one is more distracting to work from home or from the office, but nowadays the numbers said employees experience average of 77 distractions a week or one distraction every 30 minutes. So a lot of this distraction include checking email, uh, meetings, meetings are distractions, responding to personal communication such as online chat, text, browsing the internet, having coffee conversation with coworkers, right? So the problem with this kind of distraction and noise is that it dent your overall productivity. A study by University of California, Irvine, discovered that it takes us 23 minutes and 15 seconds after those distractions to get back into the task once it's interrupted. So right now, there's this thing called IFS, have you ever heard of it? Information fatigue syndrome. So on Sundays, we are more tired than usual, not because of work, but because of trying to get back from the distractions to the work. It's just bombardment of information. Now, if you go to the next slide, this is what the Lord has been telling me in my quiet time in the past week. We have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to because that from there overflow everything else that's in our life, everything else. And I'm jotting down what the Lord is selling me through my Devo. He said, Joy, today attention is your currency. The world is investing huge money to grab your attention. 
the reels, the highlight stories, all the colors. However, if you keep paying attention to the world, what they're curating, fabricating, filtering to show you, you will miss what I, God, is trying to show you. The secret hidden things of the world, the promises for you and your family and your future, the very vision that you should be agreeing on and proclaiming every day until it comes to pass. You will miss it. You will miss it because he's speaking every day, but we're not listening. What do we fix our eyes to? Are we fixing our eyes to the things of the world? Are we captivated by the constant colors and vibrant screens that capture our brain cells? Or are we captivated by the beauty of our King? The beauty of His face and His presence and the steady, peaceful beat of His heart. The enemy will always try to shift your attention back to yourself and to your friends and to the world. It's shiny, it's fun, but it's not satisfying. Fight the urge to gaze upon the world. Gaze upon the person that Jesus is with fire in his eyes and burning passion to wait for you with his infinite compassion he feels for you. He is simply unmatched. He is unmatched. So today I want to title my sermon, Don't Leave Your Post. Don't leave your post. Everybody tell your left, you're right. This is the awkward moment where you need to speak to your neighbors. Do not leave your post. Do not leave your post. Don't leave your post. How do we maintain focus in the world full of distractions? If you go to the slide before this, the word of God that he wants to impart to us today is to refocus. How many of you have ever gone to that three-dimension, you know, like a movie theater and you don't wear your glasses? <laughs> So you were sitting there, blurred, nauseated, you know, everything is like blurry. You kind of know the storyline, but you can't see. And that's how we are every day looking, going through life, if we are not focused on Jesus. Yeah, kira-kira lah, you know, everything is, kira-kira means approximately like that lah, you know, you accomplish the word half-heartedly, you lead your family, kira-kira lah, kira-kira itu apa ya? More or less is like that. <laughs> There's no precision. Just like you, you sit in the movie theater without your 3D glasses, so you try to guess the plot line. Yeah, more or less like that lah. How can we lead a family and lead a church, lead a care group with that kind of precision? We will be off. We cannot, we cannot afford not being precise in leading the family and leading our people. Amen? That's why clarity is important. If we are in that movie theater and we're guessing the plot and we're guessing our life, how many of us will just go out from our seat and take that glasses on, <laughs> right? So when you put that glasses on, suddenly you're like, oh, that's what God means by this. Oh, this is what God is doing in my care group. Oh, this is what he's trying to do when I don't get that job. He's trying to shape me. Everything is so clear now. I get it. I get it. That's the kind of focus and clarity that God wants for your life today. Amen? Amen. So everybody say refocus. Refocus. The text that I want to read to you today, oh, Hebrews 12 said, let us run with perseverance in the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 4 said, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but things we cannot see will last forever. What are you paying attention to? What are we focusing at? So let's read our text for today. There's this story that you're very familiar with. Mm. We go to Acts 16. So if you can just look at the screen so I can just read to you so you're not distracted by the phone. <laughs> because sometimes when I read my Bible, text will come in, right? So Acts 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we, which is Paul and Silas, met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell fortune tell the future. 
She earned a lot of money, but her masters were telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, and she keeps shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon, pay attention here, the demon within her, she doesn't engage with her. He spoke right to the spirit. I command you in the mighty name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Okay, pay attention. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to that later. And then next slide. Her master's, oh, let's, let's stay in that slide. Let, let me just explain this real quick. Guys, a lot of times when we are encountering distractions in our life or people that are annoying, you know, like people that are like the servant girl, they are talking loud, you know, they're probably malice, gossiping, whatever. Instead of focusing on the real enemy, what's the root cause under that, that chaos, we try to engage with the wrong enemy. You try to fight your spouse, we try to fight your kids, you know, why are you so annoying, why are you so chaotic? We try to fix what is seen. But from this passage alone, we can learn that Paul is focusing on the unseen enemy. How many of you know that there's unseen enemy that's trying to cause dissension and discord in your marriage, in your family? And that is the one that you have to speak. The demon within her, the Lord, uh, the, Paul said, I command you in the name of Jesus, leave. So my first point is this, don't fight the wrong enemies. Fight the demon, the enemy that's trying to Kill, steal, and destroy your destiny. Amen? Next slide, next slide. This is so good. After that, chaos happens. Her masters hope the wealth were not shattered because this girl, young, young noisy, she make a lot of money by fortune telling. So now after the demon was cast out, now her masters doesn't have money anymore. So they grab Paul and Silas, drag them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is an uproar because of this Jew. They shouted to the city official, they're teaching custom, they're illegal. So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city official ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods and Paul and Silas were severely beaten and they were thrown into the prison and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Chaotic, chaotic, just so much chaos. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So let's stop here again for a moment. You're familiar with the story, right? Where the, Paul and Silas was imprisoned. But this is such a good depiction, guys, of the chaos that's happening in the service. There's so many things happening in this, just from this passage alone. The master um, got mad, and then the authorities, and the whole city is an uproar, gossip, ya kan langsung, what? The news, made the news. And then uh, they shouted to the city officials, a mob come, and then they captured them, they were beaten, and the jailer. So there's so many subjects, gitu. There's so many chaos happening. But it's such a good depiction where that thing happened. The Lord put Paul and Silas deep into the dungeon, to the place that is unseen. So this is what I want to encourage you. If you find, if we find ourselves in the place of suffering, in the place of, you know, disappointment, of, of shackles, of sometimes isolation or loneliness, if we are put in a dungeon, God is trying to keep you away from all that noise, all that distraction, all that chaos, so you can hear Him alone. One voice, clarity, and focus. So when this chaos is happening right here, when the world is trying to tell you, go bigger, go better, you know, be richer, you know, this is what the app you need to, to, to download to be thin and to be rich and to, to own your own property, own three properties. When the world is going bigger and better and chaos and its focus is me, 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 the people of God, we go deeper into the dungeon so we can hear God. Is there an amen in this place? When the world goes bigger, we go deeper. We go deeper. So in the inner dungeon, when we are clamped the feet to the stocks, rejoice. Rejoice. There's not a lot of preacher that's talking about suffering. 
They want wealth. They want comfort. They want to be bigger and better, how to be a better Christian. But the Lord doesn't want decent Christians. The Lord wants disciples. Disciples. Paul said that I'm slave to Christ so that when I suffer, Christ may be alive in me and the gospel may be preached. Amen. We are slaves to Christ. So I want to show you two different contrasts from this passage. You know, Paul is Paul and Silas is imprisoned in the city of Philippi. Phil, Phil, Philippi. So I want to show you two different contrasts of human situation nowadays. One is in the mountaintop and one in the valley. I don't know where you're at right now. At one point, we're at the valley, not knowing when is the next breakthrough going to happen. One point, we're at the mountaintop. But today, the focus is the same. The focus is the same. So next slide. When I study about the city of Philippi where Paul and Silas was imprisoned, I see a lot of similarity between that city and our city. How many of you love being in Seattle right now? Can I see your hands? How many of you love your city? I just don't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> I want to stay in the city. Amen, amen, amen. I love Seattle. And the city of Philippi, Paul also loved the city of Philippi. In the epistle, he wrote the most endearing. Suddenly, Paul jadi romantic when he talked to the Philippians. He loves these people for some reason. He loves these people. The city of Philippi is a wealthy city. It's a, it's a beautiful valley surrounded by mountains, like us. <laughs> we are surrounded by mountains, amen. There's a lot of hidden gold in the mountains. And because of that, Philippi becomes a wealthy society from gold and agriculture, okay? Their society is self-sustaining, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of ex-militaries, and they're all citizens of Rome. So a lot of them would have desecularized by the mindset of Rome. Paul really loved them. They're sharp, they're educated, they're disciplined. Paul's like, just like me. I love these people, right? They're financially secure and they're stable. But listen to this. The battle for the Philippian people is not poverty or hardship. It's the battle of, his, of their mind. It's the battle in the mind. They're faced with secure secularism. Because sometimes when God gives us breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, we don't seek Him anymore. Because we are, okay, I can be a decent Christian now. I go to church. I, I serve in care group. I serve in ministry. Okay, then I think my life is good. I think I'm okay. Gitu. And a lot of time, this is the blind spot of secure secularism. Of being wealthy and receiving breakthrough and being on the mountaintop, mountaintop. The Philippians are in the mountaintop. Next slide. I want to see, show you a diagram. This is the blind spot of secure secularism. If you see the diagram on the left, just ignore the words. Diagram on the left. Who sits on the throne of your life right now? Is it Jesus or is it yourself? Because sometimes we don't realize it. The one who sits on that throne is not Jesus anymore. Somehow it's money, mammon, and itself. So everything around our life are rotated to serve the master that sits on that throne. Your hobby on the top. Your Jesus, your church, right? Your family, your work, your house, your church. All serve one master, that is yourself. Okay? Jesus is just a part of our activity on Sundays or Friday. But it's not on the throne. He, he is there. Jesus is there, but he is not my king. Well, the second diagram, this is what the Lord wants us to refocus today, is that he sits on the throne of our lives. So everything else in our life reoriented around him. Can I get an amen? Your hobby glorifies him. Your money glorifies him. Your family, your relationship glorifies him. Your work, your home, your church glorify with Jesus in your throne. So that's the blind spot of a mountaintop of the Philippian people. Another extreme. Next, next slide. Is Paul and Silas. Oh, sorry. In the, next, in the slide before this, in the, in the book of Philippians, Paul really warned against this kind of people that have a comfort Christianity. 
label. Paul said this, for I have told you often before, and I said again with tears in my eyes, guys, he is so serious about this because he loves Philippians so much. He said this, there are many whose conduct shows that they are real enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. What is Paul trying to warn? Secularism. Secure secularism, that's it. He said, no, you need to go down from that throne. Jesus needs to be in that throne. Amen. So that's the danger of mountaintop. Another extreme, another extreme is this guy that is in the dungeon going through suffering. Next slide, please. When everybody else is experiencing wealth and breakthrough and, you know, like big houses, the Philippians are, 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 are wealthy, this guy needs to be in prison. Both of them shackled. And Philippians 1 said, but they're focused though. He said, I want to let you know, this is what Paul said, my dear brother and sister, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. What happened to him? Suffering, physical pain, imprisonment, being flogged, going through a storm, almost died by a shipwreck, bitten by a snake. Those are the experience of pain and suffering, the valley that not a lot of people are talking about. Yes, we all want to talk about mountaintop, but not a lot of people want to talk about suffering. This is what the Bible said, when you are in the place of uncertainty, you are coming here with a heavy heart, you're coming here still waiting for that breakthrough, still waiting for that answer, you're in the prison part of your life where you're isolated, you're away from people, this is what the Lord says, 2 Corinthians 4. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, meaning you don't know what's going to happen next. Perplexed means uncertain, but you're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We got knocked down, but we are not destroyed because through what? Can we say it together? Through suffering. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Amen. Can I read to you the MSG version? We've been surrounded and battered by trouble, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know what God wants us to do. But we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our sight. We've been thrown down. We're not broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us and he lives. Our lives are a constant risk for Jesus' sake, which make Jesus' life all the more evident. So there's two contrasts, the mountaintops and the valley, same focus. How many of you have been through both? Can I see your hands? Be careful of the blind side of both seasons. When you are in prison, the tendencies that we will have. Tadi kan, the mountaintop, the tendency, the blind spot is we become comfortable and we become secular. And we put ourselves in the throne and not Jesus. For the other extreme, the valley, our tendencies, if you go to the slide before this, is we're going to throw pity party. We will, be, we will become discouraged. We will compare ourselves to others. What, why they have that and I don't have that. We will become anxious and depressed. And we don't want to engage with the community anymore. We're isolated. So either or, we need to refocus. Refocus on Jesus. So Philippians 3 verse 13, 14. This is the exhortation that I feel strongly in my heart that the Lord wants to speak to over all of us today. And this is what Paul, the apostle, said. I focus, can we read this together because this is not a long verse. Can we read this together? One, two, three. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. He is not done with us. He's not done with us. He wants us to refocus our purpose and our calling to what He is called us to do. Whether you're in mountaintop or you're in a valley depth. So if you're writing it down, I'm just going to go through this real quick and I'll be done with my sermon. One, number one, focus on God's vision. If you see Philippians 3, what it meant by looking forward to what lies ahead, that means His vision. Not your opinion, not people's opinion, but God's vision. A vision is what you see when you close your eyes and you align with God. Do you have a vision for your season at this moment? Do you have a vision for your family and for your marriage at this season? When is the last time you heard a revelation from the Father of what specific things He wants to do through you for your children, for your spouse, for your co-workers? Do you have a vision? Next slide. Where there's no vision, the people perish. If people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. What's God's vision? Next slide. It's time to focus on God's vision and ignore the world's distraction. So this is what Paul is exhorting the Philippians. Guys, guys. Guys, forget all that distraction. Focus, focus, focus. That's why in Philippians 4, um, uh, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything, but pray in every situation. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is such a popular verse, right? But now you know the background of that verse. People are distracted. They're putting themselves in the throne. That's why Paul said, don't be anxious. Put God in your throne. Pray for every situation. And then verse 8, he said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. Focus. That's what Paul is saying. What's God's vision over our season? Number two. Number one, focus on vision. Number two, focus on the secret place. How is your intimacy going with the Lord. You can be the busiest Christian, making the most impact to all nations, but if your secret place is not non-existent, we are prey to the enemy. Ooh, you're there in the front line, but you don't have roots, you go first. He take you down first. Because why? You're visible, but you have no roots. How's our secret place? When's the last time you sit with Jesus, you hear what he says, you see what he sees, and you write down the hidden things of the heart of God. That is what Paul and Silas is doing in the dungeon. Next verse, Acts 16, he said, around midnight, in the depth of it all, in the depth of the midnight, in the midst of his suffering, Paul and Silas were shouting and praying and singing hymns to his God and the other prisoners were listening. Guys, this is the key to every breakthrough in your life, your secret place, your intimacy with the Lord. You know, I, I, I do photographer, uh, photography in my side business. And if you go to the next slide, <laughs> this is, there's one time when I went to see my client and for some reason, my camera cannot focus. It's just like everything is a blur. No matter how I click, shutter, you know, try to adjust, everything is a blur. I can't figure out what's happening until I think I call Ewa. Ewa is always like, what should I do? Pokoknya, I miss one button. One button is the autofocus. I was on manual focus, so I have to manually readjust my focus. That's why everything's blurry. But the minute I switch it on, everything comes to focus again. And you know what's the switch button to refocus and re-engage your mind to the mind of Christ? It's prayer. Amen. Go back to the secret place. Do not leave your post. Do not leave your post. Because the Lord says, I've been here. I've been waiting. I've been wanting to reveal all the secrets, all these revelations to you. But you left. You're not here. I want to I wanna engage with you. I want to speak to you. But you, you left. You're so busy. 
So don't leave your post. And this is what I train my leaders in the past few weeks. This is all we're focusing on in care group. This is all we talk about in care group. And I'm so sorry if you have to listen to this thing probably your fourth time this month because this is all we've been talking about. How to win in your care group, how to win in life. It's W-I-N. You start with a place of worship, you intercede, and you neutralize the territory of the enemy. That's why we prayer walk. That's all. That's all we do. Go back to the secret place. When we worship God, we open up the gates between the heaven and earth and we surrender and we release the power of the Holy Spirit upon your family, upon your city, upon your, 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 your lives. Can I read to you something real quick? Sorry, guys. I'm gonna, somehow it got deleted <laughs> from, from my PowerPoint. But this is very, very important. So I want you to guys, you guys to bear with me. We all, Paul and Silas start with a place of worship. Through worship, we begin to adopt his vision, his confidence, his calling, and his character. God's will become our will. His timing become our timing. His power become our power. His vision become our vision. We will start leading our family, leading God's people with His ways, His strategy, His methods, and not our own. Worship is surrender. When you worship, you said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done upon my children, upon my spouse. And when you worship, you release the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not by our might and our work anymore, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to change lives around us. Amen. So worship. What's after worship? Ah, anak okay. Oh my God, we go through this again. <laughs> I mean, all of you, I'm so sorry, but this is key. Intercession. Intercession, simply you just step in. The gap between your family and Jesus, between your kids and Jesus, between the people that has not believed in Jesus yet in your family, and you start to mention their names until breakthrough happens. Intercession. And last one is neutralize. We walk through the power to the territory of the enemy and we take back everything that ha they have taken away from us. And we said that this is God's territory and this people belongs to Jesus. Amen. So, how many of you are ready to take back territories for Christ? How many of you said will say to, to the devil, enough? You have enough playtime in my mind, in my family, in my campus, in my care group, you don't have any say anymore. I'm stepping in to intercede and I will neutralize it for God's kingdom to come. Amen. So we go back to the place of worship, intercession, and we neutralize the power of the enemy. I'm almost done. Are you guys still with me? So this... W-I-N is what I've been experiencing and doing and practicing in my own family. Um, if my son and my daughter have like issues or questions, usually we cannot win them by words. Martin and I tried. We talk and talk, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes. And then we cannot change their minds, right? Because they're, they're starting to be teenagers. But then I practice this in my house. I will park my ark in their room. I will start to worship. I'll start to intercede and I neutralize the mindset. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bind every false argument that is not in obedience of you. In the mighty name of Jesus, sometimes I take out the Christian mom's oil <laughs> and I start to anoint the piano and, the, and my kids will come home. It's like, what is the smell? I mean, this is so weird. So I, but this is, this is not weird because this is biblical. In the mighty name of Jesus, we fight from the place of, of, of prayer and worship. And guess what? Suddenly, they come in the dining table, their minds are changed. <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't take the credit because the Lord has done mighty works in the people around us. Amen? Amen? So last, last point, my last point. We focus on God's vision. We focus on our secret place. Do not leave our post, our intimacy with Jesus. And the last one is focus on the souls. Focus and because the result of prayer and interceding 
we, we read in uh, Acts 16, suddenly, verse 26, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken at its foundation. That's breakthrough, guys. Breakthrough is not behavioral change. If you want to see real change around you, it starts with the foundation. And when you begin to pray and worship, the foundation begins to shake. Their mindset begins to change. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison door wide open. He assumed the prisoner escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. I'm still here. I'm still here. So Paul didn't leave his post. So if Paul is in the center of his throne, he will leave. The minute that door opened, okay, I'm out, bye. But because Jesus was in the center of his throne, he chose to stay and minister to the souls. So if God's heart is in you, we will not leave. We will, people is our mission. We will choose to stay back and minister and serve the people until they receive Jesus and get baptized. Amen. How many of you are still waiting for your family members to be baptized? and to know Jesus. Can I see your hands? Do not stop praying. Do not stop praying. This is going to be the day where the Lord is going to do something miraculous in your family, but we have to take our position. Amen. Don't fight them. They're not the real enemy. Fight the real enemy. So can I close with the craziest testimony that's, that's happened in our life in the past month? And again, sorry if you've heard this two times already. But this is crazy because my dad-in-law, Martin's father, is the most hard-headed person we've ever encountered. That he doesn't want to believe in Christianity for the past maybe 20 years. We've been praying for 20 years. The craziest thing, before he came here this summer, I took that same principle that is... Um, taught by Pastor JP and SAPC, W-I-N. I start to worship and intercede and neutralize in the room that he's going to stay. And I'm not saying this because I did it or no, 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 no. We cannot take credit for what the Lord has done. Amen. So I was with dad the, the, the night Mario passed away. When Martin's brother passed away from cancer, we were going down that elevator he was in the elevator with me. We were about to see the dead body of my brother. That night, Jesus said no to our prayer. But you see, Jesus, is, Jesus still reigned even in death. So that night, it was so much despair and discouragement happened. Going down that elevator, I heard him said this, where's your Jesus? Your Jesus said he wants to heal my son, but he died. So where's your Jesus? I see so much sadness and disappointment in him 16 years ago when my brother died. Fast forward 16 years later. 16 years we've been praying. He's been grieving in his own way. Like, <laughs> in his own way. But he still refused and reject Christianity. This year, starting February, in my secret place, when I was praying to God, he said, Joy, he is going to get baptized this summer along with your son, Elijah. And I was like, no way, Lord, no way, that's not going to happen. But the Lord said, watch and see. When you're in the secret place, he reveals the hidden things of the future. So I started to, huh, maybe it will happen. Then I started to text you guys, the intercessor, why don't you partner with me? to pray for Martin's dad <laughs> because maybe maybe just maybe the Lord is gonna pass gonna gonna go he's gonna um do what he says right so prayer started to be activated left and right left and right Sukadi I asked I asked all my prayer team remember my last name Sukadi Sukadi is really remember really easy to remember just mention Sukadi 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 all over Seattle his name is being mentioned by prayer, worship, petition, intercession. Sukari, Sukari, Sukari. Cut the story short. One day before he left Seattle, there's nothing happened. Nothing happened. He didn't even go to church because we always go out of town. We're never. So, in the last week of him being there, Martin and I, I was talking to my husband. How is he going to be baptized? Because he doesn't even go to church. There's no gospel. We don't talk about Christian stuff, you know, when we're together. 
Masa suddenly you talk about God gitu is out of nowhere is very off you know so how and then I'm not gonna go into details because the, the details are just crazy mind blowing in my secret place the Lord still say I can still change the heart of kings what make you doubt that I cannot change the heart of your father I start bawling I said I trust you Lord I don't know why I don't know how but there's two days left he's here once he go back to Indo that's it there's no church there's no pastor he doesn't know anyone last day God woke me up 5 a.m. in the morning he said you start you take your post take your position you intercede for your dad and when I intercede the Lord said whoever called the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they, they be safe if nobody share the good news to him? And how can somebody share the good news if nobody is sent to him? So I underline the word sent, sent, sent to him. Who is going to be sent to him? I have one day left, Lord. We have one day left. But you promise, you promise he's going to be baptized with my son. I don't know how. But, but suddenly, I, I, I come to Martin. I said, we have to agree for a U-turn. I don't know how. But we have to agree for a U-turn. The Lord said, somebody's going to be sent to him. And he's going to receive Jesus. Today. <laughs> today. You know what, guys? When we were about to have our last lunch before we go back to Jakarta, suddenly, Papa said this. Why don't we invite Pastor Irwan to come to our house? Maybe we need to, you know, just have lunch. And I'm like, Pastor Irwan is sent. He's the one in Romans 10 that the Lord said, somebody is going to be sent. It's him. It's him. So I text, go, go. Oh, are you free today? You might have to come to our house. Uh, Papa, maybe, and I was joking because it was so far-fetched. Maybe you're the one that's going to baptize dad. I said that to Pastor Ewan. Pastor Ewan said, we'll be there. Okay, done. Everybody packing, 4 p.m. Pastor Ewan come with Kelsey and the kids. We were just talking. Martin and I udah ngamo. We don't want to say anything to dad because I think we already said everything we need to say. And dad was defensive. Anyway. So Martin and I, we were just outside playing with the kids, with Kelsey, we were talking. Pastor Irwan opened the back door to my backyard. Guys, Papa just received Christ. Received Christ. Do you have bathtub so he can be baptized? Our jaw come to the floor. Huh? What? He want to be baptized with Elijah now. Do you have a bathtub? I was like, uh... Can we go to church? Can we call Anne so we can prepare the baptism here? So Papa, just no time, no time. Nanti he changed his mind. Just bat up, bat up right now. Because we wait 20 years for him to receive Christ. And can you see? Can you can you show the, the picture? So you see by your own eyes. This is what the Lord has done. And he is able to do miraculously, exceedingly, abundantly more than he can we can ever ask or think. Oh, that's him. That's him being baptized in my tiny weenie bathtub along with my son. That's it. That's it. Even on the way up to the baptism pool, aka my bathtub, Martin, Martin and I still, Ini bener gak sih? Is this true? Maybe he's pressured. Kayak even us don't believe it, you know. But then the moment he before he got submerged in the water, Pastor Ewan asked, Do you do this out of anybody forcing you? No. Do you believe that Jesus is your God and your Savior? Yes. He get baptized. Can we give glory to the Lord? Can we give glory to the mighty name? The one that is able to change hearts, even the heart of kings. If we only take our post, do not move away from your post. Fight the real enemy. Say, you have no more say over my marriage, over my children. Salvation is in my family. Salvation belongs to my family. But guys, I want to propose a new fighting position for you and I. It's not in their face. How many of you are praying for your family member? It's not in their face. It's not behind their back breathing. It's like, ah, when are you going to change? It's on our knees. Right here. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we win our battles with worship, intercession. And we neutralize the territory of the enemy. We take back everything that he's stolen for us because we, they belong to Jesus. Amen. Can we stand? Can we stand right now? 
We want to refocus all of our might, all of our mind into the one who calls us from the first place. Why are you leaving your post, says the Lord? I am here. I've been waiting for you. I wanted to, 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 to reveal to you my heart, my promise, my vision. Go back to the same post. Go back to the same place. The first love that you have for him when you see his eyes and you, you hear his gentle voice in your heart giving you strategies on how to win in your life. Philippians 1.20 said, I eagerly expect and hope and I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. Today there's a call for us to get down from the throne of our life because you don't belong there. I don't know what has been occupying the throne of your life right now. It might be money. It might be relationships. It might be yourself. You might be serving mammon or a spirit of lust. Tonight is an evacuation notice that they should come down from that throne and Jesus should be, should be um, enthroned again in his seat in the mighty name of Jesus. If this is you, I want you to put your hands in your heart to rededicate your focus back to him. Yes, Lord, you are the center of my life again. Everything else rotates around you. Everything else flows from my secret place with you. If this is you, put your hands in your heart. I rededicate my time, my attention back to you, Jesus. Just between you and him. He's been waiting, he's been waiting. No death, in death, in life. I'm confident that we're covered by the power of his great love. Amen. Number two, I want to ask if you have been on the fence in your relationship with God. You, you believe in Him, but you have been far away from Him. Um, and the Lord wants you to take the next step to know Him better and to grow in your, in your faith. You want to be serious in your journey with Jesus. You probably might want to get baptized because in that verse, when the jailer believed in Jesus, there's a verse that said immediately, immediately he believed in Jesus and he got baptized, just like my dad-in-law. If this is you, put your hands in your, in your heart. The Lord wants communion with you. He wants more out of your life. He is not satisfied just being a Sunday religion to you. He wants your life. He wants to be in your life. He wants a relationship with you. If you are ready to take the next step in following Jesus as a disciple, and not as a decent Christian, put your hands in your heart, just between you and the Lord. This is me, Lord. This is me, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're everything, you're everything. You're everything. You're everything. Thank you, Lord. Make it all about Him again in this life. 